0: Hayden Bowling.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden along with Kirsty, and we are discussing how not to lose, right? Or how to lose. This was your idea for a podcast. It was. Because, I'm into it though.
0: <laughs> we do. We see this in the clinic and I know I've experienced it with my own kids um, <laughs> that <laughs> uh, learning to lose is hard. It is hard. And y- you have to teach children how to lose and that it's okay and it's part of playing games and Games can still be fun, and you can still want to play a game, even if you don't win all the time.
1: It's a great speech thing. I mean, it's all kinds of good social speech, pragmatic-y stuff, Mm -hmm. and it creates a very natural situation to work on it in a controlled way when you know nobody's going to have a complete meltdown. Well, and how to avoid the meltdown, really. Well, and that's why we're talking about this, because it happens. It does. It does. You know, it does. (laughs) So
0: we're going to give you some strategies today of how to avoid that from happening so that you can still play games in the clinic and the child may not be the winner. And it's going to be okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, and I think in a situation with kids when they always want to win and be the winner, and that, especially little boys, you know, they always want to win. They always want to be the winner. So it it does come up with little boys. I'd say probably more than little girls, right? And it's a hard knock when they
0: lose then. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's it's a tough little world. Um, (laughs) So they have to learn how to be able to adapt and move on. And it happens a decent, I see it a lot in therapy. I do. We start to
0: see it like for typically developing children anywhere around that six to eight range, it's starting to really come in, you know, kindergarten, first, second grade. With the children that we see in therapy, we can see it happen and extend on a little bit longer. So now you might have an 8 910 year 10-year-old that can't play a board game or can't play a card game because Oh, no, if they're going to lose.
1: Yeah, exactly. I oftentimes let the child win in certain situations, but if it's to their detriment that they're always going to win and they don't know how to lose and they don't know how to emotionally lose and they don't know how the words around how to lose and how to socially be okay with that and and interact with peers and then start again, it's a problem. So
0: part of why we're talking about this, too, is developmentally it does come into play, Mm -hmm. like having that difficulty with losing. So sometimes just explaining to a child um, is enough, but with the children that we're working with in therapy and we're seeing it later, now you add into the fact that they're an older child who, you know, out in the world— to play a game, to play a game in the school setting and to not be able to lose without a meltdown is going to be problematic. So that's really why we're talking about this Mm -hmm. um, in a podcast. Mm -hmm. And so what we see when we say meltdown is if they're coming to the point where they see that they're not winning at the game, that they don't wanna play anymore, they stop playing, they throw pieces, they make a mess of the game, they slide the pieces across the table, they're Mm -hmm. like, I'm just done. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And their whole demeanor change. And this game that was supposed to be fun and engaging is now not.
1: And then socially what can happen too is with other kids and they can start to, I've seen it happen like in grade school age, little boys, especially like, oh, well, you're not my friend anymore. Or, you know, I don't like you or just things like that can start to happen, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I think it's something for speech, you know, especially the kids we're seeing in therapy, we have to pay attention to because that provides us with an opportunity to really work on a lot of good things you know in that situation
0: and you already made the comment because this was another key point is when you're in therapy with a child it's adult therapists playing with a child mm-hmm. the game so and you made the comment already that sometimes I let them win because if the game is not what you're trying to get out of therapy it's the result of the game it's repetitions of a sound or a word or the pragmatics of the game the back and forth play the engagement piece those are all things that you're working on it for you it's not necessarily about winning or losing that matters in right. that moment
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. um so You're there as the regulator. The adult is regulating the game. But now if you put children in charge of that game and there's not somebody to regulate that situation that's happening, it can go downhill really fast. So now in the classroom setting or in the home setting and you have children playing a game, now imagine. Mm-hmm. what happens when you have a child that's older that can't lose.
1: And, you know, if you think about it with kids and all their interaction with iPads and electronic games and that kind of stuff, they're playing them in the computer and there's not usually another person. And so I do think playing board games, playing games, some some kind of games, sports games, any, any game where you're playing with somebody else is really a key skill and we need to address it because some of these kids have never had the opportunity to play with somebody else and don't really know how to. It's something that we really need to think about. This actually happened with a CFO I was working with one time a while back, and the little boy, it, it's kind of a, a sort of a one-off of the one you're talking about, but it applies because he said to her, like, I don't like you or I don't like your hair or your hair's not, something like that where he kind of said something about her, like, you know, kind of the same equivalent I just said of I'm not your friend, like, you know, you're not pretty or something like that. And so she wasn't upset about that at all, but what she was upset at is because he kind of got to that point and she felt like it wasn't a really good session. But I told her, I said, actually, I think it was a fabulous session. We've figured out when things don't go his way, he starts attacking other people you know, he's five, five and a half. So not really that appropriate, not that good, but it's really not going to be good when he's 10, 10 and a half, 12, 12 and a half or 16. That ain't going to work out for him. So we need to address it. I said, so I think actually you uncovered something that we had missed on his goal plan that we need to go back and figure out and write in his goal plan and target because he didn't know how when he was losing, all he knew to do was, well, I don't like you or your hair's ugly or whatever it was he said. And that's to an adult. Yeah. The regulator right. of the game. Right, right, and so and so it it's didn't, not going to go well with peers. No, 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 no. In fact, he and so this little boy at the time—it's been a while. He didn't have very many friends. He didn't have, wouldn't really play with a lot of other kids. He spent a lot of time on the iPad. That was one of the things that mom had taught us about in therapy. He didn't play well with his siblings. And that was a concern for her in the Mm avow.
0: So I think it's really important to kind of state what the regulator does. That's your role as a therapist. That's your skill set. You being the regulator, you're, as you talked about, um, Hayden, previously in other podcasts, you are having to tune into the child's behaviors not necessarily positive or negative but just overall behavior in general how they're engaging are they shutting down are they participating just what their engagement level is because you as the therapist your skill set is to be able to take them up and back down Mm -hmm. so you're kind of looking at the game as a means to do that like "Oh, oh i'm getting ahead now I I could win, but then you fall back, and then he gets excited or she gets excited, and then oh, and so there's some back and forth because that's games. That's mm-hmm. that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. but. Also socially, how do you handle that? Are you cheering on your opponent? Hey, that was a really good move. I liked how you did that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, giving real specific to how they respond when they play, not just, oh, good job, because they don't know. Like, what does good job mean? Like, good, what did I do that made it a good job? Mm-hmm. It's specific like, oh, I liked how you congratulated me when you you know, when yep. I made that move, that's very specific so that then when they take that over to play with a peer, which would be the next step mm-hmm. is bringing in other peers to play because the peer is not going to be the regulator. That's your role. So now you've given them language or you've given them strategies. You've given them things to say to support yeah. the, comp- the competition.
1: And then also it gives you opportunity. So if you like, you pull ahead as the regulator, you're kind of, you're winning a little bit. And then if the person that you're playing with, the kid you're playing with, you know, I see a lot of times they'll like cross their arms, like, huh, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Huh, you know, and they'll get real, you know, quiet or I don't like this, game. you know, they get real, you'll see their body language change and all that kind of stuff. It gives you the opportunity then to sort of over-dramatize, kind of act a little bit like, oh, you know, like that makes me sad when, yep. when I hear you say blah, 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 blah. So then they have to start to, th- think oh gosh well what I do has an impact on other people and so many of our kids don't realize Mm -hmm. oh what what we do has an impact on others you know and I think that's an opportunity for us then to help them learn that skill
0: yep yep so and I do hear a lot of times in the clinic well oh we need to do a social group and I'm like really I mean we've got a bunch of kids in the building. Can't you just grab a game, let your child pick a game, and then go knock door to door? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of language that can be done there. There's yeah. all kinds of social pragmatics. Like, hey, do you want to play a game with me? Mm-hmm. I have these two which one do you want to play and, and start that like you don't need a scheduled social group I'm like make it in the moment
1: because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I
0: think that's where the best things happen often
1: even just two kids working together in a gym you know with two different therapists there's tons of opportunity to even on the same like activity if you're on the swing you've got to Okay, it's my turn, your turn, you know. And it doesn't have to be this whole big long 30 to 45 minute thing. It can just be a simple little five minute exchange, you know, yeah. that um that is, is happening. Like if you've got two kids on a rock wall, they're going to have to sort of figure out how to both. Participate and do that, and you can even do like a little race at the top. Then you know, or what with whatever they both can do. But you can—that's like a little competition and game, and it doesn't have to be this formal thing, this this big setup or anything. It just—it's natural. It's in the moment. It it gives you the opportunity to work in the moment with the winner and the loser. And then, how do you? What do you do if you are the winner? What do you do if you are the loser?
0: Well, and I think too, you know, it just goes with like sometimes parenting or philosophy in general. Like, if everybody gets a trophy, you know, if you're always the winner but you didn't really earn it, you're not setting that child up for the real world. And I know this is just a board game, but it extends to so many more areas than that. You're teaching them how to lose. You're teaching them that, oh, now I know the mistake I made and I can learn from it. Let's not do that next time. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so much more learning that goes into it. And you're like, well, it's just Connect Four. Yeah. You know? (laughs) I mean, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but if that's how they handle any time that things don't go their way, that's a hard life.
1: Oh, it, it's going to be a, a very hard life for them and for the people that interact with them. Yes. <laughs> so if it doesn't go your way. So, no, I agree. And I think it's just feedback. Like, you know, uh-oh, Let's do it this way. Uh-oh. It doesn't have to be, no, don't do it like that. No. You know, it doesn't have to be that at all. But it can, I do a lot of uh-ohs or, you know, if even in like an Arctic, I know that we're, this is kind of off topic a little tiny bit, but like, um, even if a child's producing a sound and they're doing it wrong, I mean, you don't want to say, good job, good job. Cause they did it wrong. You want to say, try it like this. Try it like this. Do it like this. You hear it? Okay, see so here, what's the difference? So you do it like how they did it and how you did it, and then you're basically doing this is the right way, this is the wrong way, without being quite so negative about it, but you're giving them real feedback, like, uh-oh, you know, that sounded a little slushy. You know, you can give them some words to help describe it, because if they're working on S, and they're lateral less, lateral S, and you want them to forward s then I'll say oh that sounds a little slushy you hear that slushy slushy and so I'll just try to give them a word that kind of goes along with it kind of like what you were saying like like specific feedback you know so give them a action word or a descriptive word or, or something like that a, kind of matches
0: oh man that didn't go the way I wanted it to right, you know right. mm-hmm. let's try this next time mm-hmm. or Oh, no. Yeah,
1: something like that. It
0: doesn't have to be like, oh, it didn't go my way and let me flip over the board game. Exactly. You know, <laughs> like,
1: uh, you know, yeah, you can do a whole big thing and like, hmm, how are we going to solve? Uh, hmm, what should we do? Oh, no. What are we going to do? Or right, you have a, a
0: child that's impulsive and they right. like, okay oh, I need to stop and think, Mm, which one should I do next? Just, and really modeling that. Because if you have a child that is impulsive, I was just in the clinic yesterday and that was the, he's getting PT, but I'm like, oh my gosh, he needs OT because that impulsivity and he needs strategies to work on that because now he's like nine, 10 years old. And how's that going to feed out through the rest of his life? If every time he gets the ball, he just, He's not even looking at you. He doesn't know that, like, hey, my partner's not paying attention. I'm going to throw the ball at him. He's going to hit him in the head just because that's his – automatic response. Whereas, okay, let's, what strategies are we going to use? And all of that can come from a board game or a game.
1: It, uh, uh, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a big fancy game either. It can be pretty simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it re- yes, different strategies. And I think we have to focus on that with our kiddos with so many varying diagnoses. but we need to start with it early and help them. And we, and it's not something we can sort of gloss over. I think we have to think about helping them learn how to lose in a socially appropriate type of way. Cause also I think even for a lot of our little kiddos like you see Kirsty that motorically, you know, have some definite maybe they're never going to be the most coordinated kid. Maybe they're never going to be the star of the football, basketball, fill-in-the-blank team or whatever it is. You but know? they might be able to kick it at chess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But So they so they have to be okay with themselves because it kind of goes back to a little bit of a self-esteem issue too. I mean, sure. so say, you know, some of the kids you see, they're never going to be the most coordinated individual, but they still are functional in doing whatever, you we know. We don't all play in the NBA. No, no, we don't. And, that, you know, got so, so they have to learn how to be able to lose, but then also – no, okay, I can't lose this way. I'm okay. You're okay. But then here's what I'm really good at. So even though I'm going to not be the best ever in PE, or I'm never going to win the fitness award or be able to get 50 sit-ups or whatever the heck it is you have to do, I don't even know. I'm not ever going to be able to do that, but it's okay. I can cheer my friend on because then when we get back to class, I'm really super good at math. And so I'm going to always win the math spelling math right. quiz B or whatever the heck it is. You know how they do those games <laughs> too.
0: Or like... Okay, so I'm not always winning this game, but you know what? It's fun to play, and I do want to play it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because you also don't want to create this oh i never win so i'm never good at it so i'm just never going to try anymore
1: right it makes you think as a therapist also the bigger picture of the child the child's whole life how you impact them in a variety of different ways and you're still in your scope of practice i mean as a pt you're working on the motor stuff but you're still in your scope of practice and understanding you know what's going to happen in the rest of his life to help him with sure. that and same for speech and so i think you know we have to think about that whole big And how it puts it all together you know in the clinic sometimes we see the kids here in the clinic and we can think oh well yeah i'm not the school speech therapist so i don't have to worry about that but no i'm the speech therapist for his life you know his overall so so no i'm not seeing him in the school but whatever he does in school he's got to do at home with his homework so i can't just like say oh i don't do that because i'm not the speech therapist at the school that doesn't really compute
0: Mm -mm. so that moves us into like well We talked about the therapist being the regulator for the child, but then, you know, you've got to eventually expand into the next step, and how do you get there if they're not ready to necessarily play with a peer? So at PDT, we have these cooperative play games. They are by Blue Orange. One is called uh, Happy Bunny, and the other is called Where's Mr. Wolf? And the concept behind these games is everybody's on the same team. Mm -hmm. So there's not a winner and a loser of the game. You're all working cooperatively for the means to the game so when you're doing these games you know everybody's kind of cheering each other on and everybody when you know something doesn't go right it's the whole team is affected so you're all playing together so that's a really good way to kind of step into that next step of playing games with peers because it's not one person against another it's everybody's on the same team.
1: And I think there's other companies that have some too, but I think this is kind of a new type of concept. You know, you have just recently have sort of seen more of those cooperative games kind of stuff, but they really are. And you can take other games and make them into a cooperative game. Eboo has some games that are really easy to make cooperative games out of, you know, with their like to- story storytelling games. And then they have like, and a community obstacle game, that kind of thing, and those are cooperative games also, and they're really, they're really good. Um, that's called Eboo. Blue Orange is the ones that Kirsty was talking about, and then I'm talking about some eboo has got some games too. But they are really nice because you're all on the same team, and it's easy to sort of, it just kind of creates a situation for you. Mm-hmm. And you can play with the sibling if you're in the clinic, and the and the child, or you can find another kid that's in therapy with somebody else, and you can work out something or whatever. But it's, you can set, like we talked about before, set the situation up.
0: And we do have motor games as well different Mm -hmm. they're they're games still but they're tied to a motor activity Mm -hmm. um the one i'm thinking of is that like the tangles it's called tangles Tangles. is one Mm -hmm. there's
1: the karate and that is like a competitive game but you can easily make that one to a cooperative game Mm -hmm. like with nothing flat you know that's Mm -hmm. that's really simple yeah
0: and sometimes too like that's different than a seated tabletop game there's a little bit more activity a little more movement so again knowing what your child needs and being aware of what is kind of setting them off or wanting them not wanting to play the game kind of considering some of those other things too um, and trying some of those different games Yeah, We already talked about the pragmatics that comes into play with playing games Mm -hmm. and and creating that group in your clinic session and taking those games and knocking on a door and getting somebody else to play with you and all that social interaction that happens even before you get to playing the game. And then we even have some different um, emoji faces, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. to pull out. Um, Mm -hmm. So because sometimes, you know, just linking those the language around kind of the emotion and what you're feeling. So if you are feeling like stressed out during the game or like you're mad because that was a bad play or a move or, <laughs> you know, you're not happy with what you did or you're not happy that that other person's winning, kind of putting the language around what
1: it is that you want to say rather than just acting out. And those emoji heads are cool because they're kind of like those little squeezy balls. Stress you know? balls. They're made by the pencil grip company. So, um, but they, you can just hold up your mad emoji face and <laughs> if you're not winning your tangled game by it. <laughs> um, by on where you can hold up your or whatever it is though if you're playing that game you don't have any hands free to do that but they're really cool to, to do and I think it's really important that as people are listening and they, and they hear this podcast that they understand Kirstie too that you're a physical therapist and how important it is that you're leading and and you're paying attention to the social pragmatic stuff of that because it does impact what happens with the child motorically and how that works so if you're not paying attention to it you're really not treating the whole child
0: well and that's kind of what we do here
1: and it also allows for functional goals functional outcomes functional
0: plans of care really i appreciate taking the time to do this podcast because i think it's something that's really important out there Mm -hmm. um, as we're working in the clinics and just in general and and like you said kids play on a lot of ipads now and they don't think of all the sensory experience that goes into playing with the different textures and tactile pieces of the games and you know there's so much to that there's so much to the the motoric component of turning over a card and you don't get that with an iPad you hit the button and it turns the card over for you I mean there's just a lot missing from that just uh, reading print off of cards you you know I think that's different than reading it off an iPad or an e-book I think that's you know I, I say to my husband at home I, I like Paper book, like our kids can read paper books because you don't know what it's doing to their eyes down the road. They're so little and they're developing. Like mm-hmm. that's we'll, a good point. We'll buy the paper books yeah that's a good
1: point i think it is i think like what you're saying about the card games even just turning the card over or just realizing okay uh, my partner's got to have five i have to have five cards just counting them out you know and being able to yeah the computer's not dealing them out right and you got (laughs) to count the cards out and and i see this all the time oh i got five cards but the other person never got any cards like uh oh and that's a great like sequential what has to happen first next Last, pay attention to the bigger picture, what's around you, what's happening with your neighbor, pick your head up and look at them across the table. That's really, I see kids who have a lot of trouble with that and the iPad doesn't lend any of that stuff. And I think that's really important in the whole game and interacting with other people, winning, losing, that kind of stuff. It just makes you pay attention to your partner, part of winning and losing kind of thing.
0: And part of it too is just going back to basics and Mm -hmm. using those tangible things that people don't do not do anymore
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's really important and I think also just playing the game spot it you have to deal over two cards it's pretty simple it's pretty easy but that can even get kind of complicated I noticed for a lot of kids who are iPad centered Mm -hmm. that's one game I usually start with sometimes
0: So um, this podcast originally started as like learning to lose, but there's some, there's a lot of underlying components um, that I think that are really important, really critical in the things that we see every day. And so, yeah, help your kids learn to lose.
1: Yep, you know what it makes me think of, Kirsty. I think we need to do another podcast on like our, our favorite board games and how we play them and how we use them in therapy. So stay tuned, people. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> well, obviously, you and I play a lot of games. <laughs> we we sort of have an advanced knowledge of games.
0: <laughs> I we play a lot of games at home. Like yeah. Jenga and Connect Four are on like our list of stuff. And I just think that the the visual motor piece the Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of with Jenga, it's that grading of movement. Mm -hmm. Great. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not gonna be able to take and just knock that piece out. You Mm -hmm. know, you got to be gentle, you got to go easy. Mm -hmm. You know, all of those things. You can't get that from an iPad.
1: Mm-mm. No, no. That kiwi game we have—that's by Blue Orange. That's a great, like, just uh, grading finger a movement isolation and great, and just grading the movement. And yeah. we—I played it actually several times this week with kiddos in therapy. And for those little boys that are just like wham bam, you know, just they're like all or nothing. Yep. They had to really grade their yep. movement, and that's a really hard game to do. pool party is another game that yep. Blue Orange has gotten. It's really hard. They have to learn how to do that with that one too. So anyway, we need to do a podcast um, games. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, stay tuned to that, people. But this one was learning to lose, right? Yes, <laughs> and, and believe it or not, as
0: a PT, you can definitely link some motor activities into some games. I know oh. people are like, oh, that's crazy, but it's totally doable.
1: Oh, 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 it's parts and pieces, which is what you say you like anyway all the time, Connect right? Connect four, Chinga, parts At- and pieces, <laughs> yay! <laughs> There's a purpose to move it across the balancing to put your red chip in a thing. Or pull a block out of the tower. There you go. We have podcasts on other various toys and intervention ideas and that kind of thing. So check those out on theworkingtherapist.com. That's our website for that. And then on PDT.com, you can go there and get our website that way. But thank you, Kirstie. This was great, Learning to Lose. Thank I you. like it. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks
0: for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's PediatricDT.com.